listening to Fireside Chats with Roadside Shaman on Open Lines Radio. Follow Hannah on Instagram at Roadside Shaman. Follow Open Lines Radio on Instagram at Open Lines Radio. And check out Open Lines Radio online at www.openlinesradio.com. Now stay tuned for Fireside Chats. Enjoy! Okay, hello again, hello everyone, this is Hannah Smith with Friends, aka Roadside Shaman on Instagram, and um, I think I'm just turning this on to indicate that the conversation is continuing. Um, I just reinstalled Excuse me, I'm taking this bell off. I just came inside from doing a bell clearing in my temple. Did you hear the bell? Isn't that pretty? That's my pretty triple dragon bell. I love this bell. Mm, I love it. Um, You don't think about, like, kissing holy relics with that kind of devotional fondness, the way you smooch anything that you really love and appreciate. Like, they think of, like, you know, kissing the Pope's ring as some sort of... I don't know, weird, um, submission, and I don't, I don't tend to see, um, the adoration of holy items, holy relics, as being submission, it's, it's more, it is a, it's a, that ebullience, that, uh, that joy that springs forth in true spiritual communion and adoration, I mean, that's pretty, that's a legit sensation. I felt legitimate fondness for my spiritual tools when I adore them. When I express my adoration for those tools. Angie was talking about spiritual tools and how using them is basically the evidence of our humanity or our role in this realm, if you want to call it that. Like, we have a lot of origin stories in our different cultural systems um there there are so many so many um oh i think i want to add some and so like but again believing in the principle of as above so below as within so without as it is with one it is with all like i really do believe that some people sort of believe it or they say it like they're pretending like they want to believe it like yeah we're all one yay like, no, I for sure legit believe we're all sort of like, um, that, uh, you know, that little like allegory or story or fable or parable or whatever the word you want to slap on the label for a teaching story of like, you know, the blind people describing the elephant, you know, and like one of them called it like a wall. One of them called it like a great trunk of a tree. One of them called it like a, a, a flexible rope. They all sort of were touching or communing with different parts of this elephant and none of them really, while none of them said anything that was false, none of them, not a single one of them, had a, a capacity to describe the elephant in its entirety accurately. And even when you take all the pieces together, you could have sketched out what you know, they were describing in a million different iterations. And I really feel like that's kind of what we're doing around here is that 
we're sort of all kind of looking at the universe and saying, what do we got here, guys? What do we got here, fellas? What do we got here, pals, gals, ladies, friends? Oh, what do we have around here? And we just sort of guess badly, usually. And, and the batter we are, the batter, that's not English. The, uh, unless you're in like an 80s rock video or something. Um, better, I'm better than you. Okay, so this coffee is not remotely hot. It is barely still within the realm of tepid. Like, it's not cold. It's not cool. It's in no way warm. And it's uh, so far beyond the land of hotness that, like, you know, it's not even in the same uh, nation state, let's say. Maybe not even on the same continent as hotness. Yes, you hear me microwaving my coffee. Do you hear it? Do you hear that radiation cooking in there, moving the water molecules, agitating them? Agitation, agitation. Do you know that I once got uh, infected with the fear energy against using um, radiation to heat my food? Like, I literally was convinced by um, antiquarians I don't really know. I don't want to describe them more beyond that because what it really boils down to is not trusting in the movement forward that our species is engaging in. Like you can look retrospectively and see all the mistakes that we made while we were trying to navigate our material universe. And I just want to say like, we don't know they were all mistakes. We don't know that within the construct of what they had around them and the tools they had available, maybe some of those you know, ways of navigating were actually the most efficient and effective for that world that they were in. For this world that we're in right now, dude, fucking microwaves are legit. They work. They rapidly and generally safely reheat food and liquid so that it's more um, enjoyable for human consumption <laughs> and more digestible for me perfectly, um, specifically, because I can't really do well with cold liquids if they contract my alimentary canal and cause spasm and nausea. I can take in maybe 10% of the amount of liquid or food when it's cold versus when it's heated. So, um, yeah, I say, this is my, this is how I took back that. This is how I said, no, your fear doesn't apply to me. I hear what you're saying and I can understand the logic upon which it's based and like, I don't negate your truth. I'm just saying your fears don't apply to my situation. Your fear doesn't apply to me. It's just like somebody who is, you know, afraid of heights is not going to resonate with someone who is um, somebody who's jumping out of a sky, um, a, what do you call it, going skydiving, right? Like, their fear doesn't apply to that situation because they would probably never put themselves in that situation, I guess, is the bottom line. Mm. Again, can we just say not quite hot enough? We've entered warm town, you know. Yeah, warm town, but we're still like a few uh, a few days journey from uh, Hotville. I need Hotville in my cup. I need some hot coffee in my cup, cup, cup. Okay, you guys, this is proof that I don't edit this shit because I leave ridiculous nonsense like that in there. 
my coffee warming jingle. The point is, I believe that using microwave radiation or various technology that employ, that exposes to different radiation that everybody's you know, afraid of, I think that it is having an effect. It is changing our bodies. It is you know, causing impacts, but I don't necessarily think that they're globally bad. It's sort of like if everybody did a study of like, I don't know, let's just use the the, 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 the group that this, all the studying people seem to care the most about, white European males, okay? So we do a study on white European males from 300 years ago versus now. We f- find out, oh my gosh, they're all like an inch and a half taller, right? And their bones are narrowed. And their this is that. And their that is that. And their blah, blah, blah. And don't you, didn't you notice that yada, yada changed? And I just want to go, hi guys. Welcome to evolution. Welcome to it happening in front of your eyes. Welcome to technology disrupting the evolution of us on a species level. Okay? It happens to other species too, but it's harder to see the nose on your own face sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Um, So we can see the changes in other species based off of external observations, but we in the human species have this bizarre sense of... Uh, will beyond biology. We, we have this strange sense and it's either planted in our consciousness or it's, you know, evolved organically, but we have this strange sense that we, to the exclusion of everything else around here, mind you, th- this is not, you know, this is not an attribute that we're passing out willy-nilly to all the beings around us. We're not saying, oh, yes, the palm tree is trying to, you know, think about a way to subvert its palm treeness and, you know, go and be an oak tree. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't apply this trait to anyone else, but humans are always seeking enlightenment, evolution, escape beyond the material plane, existence beyond our, our lifespan. That's why we carve our names into rocks. It's why we, you know, build tall m- memorials to ourselves beyond death. The closest thing we have to that in the animal kingdom, as far as I can cotton, is an elephant graveyard. It's a place where they know, they remember, they go, but doesn't seem to be built up. It doesn't seem to be maintained in, 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 in a way to make it stand out or be easily found. It's almost just like they keep going back there because that's where people go to die. You know, I'm rambling. I'm pacing back and forth between my palm trees in my backyard under the sun. And I'm rambling. But it's because I can't shake this this idea that we're not going to solve white supremacy until we solve species domination. Like, until we can agree that we're all one... Or maybe it has to happen in reverse order. Maybe we have to see that all people are people before we can see that even people that aren't people are people. Like right now, we don't even accept all people as being people. You know? The rights that are abridged for members of our cohort, be they feminine, be they disabled, be they, you know, impoverished, be they neurodivergent be they outside the cultural norm in some way of gender expression or sexual orientation, all of those 
ways of othering, of declaring non-person, non-sovereign, all of those um, all of those oh I almost poked myself in the eye, in the eye with a palm frond <sighs> I think I could make a very fine roof indeed out of palm fronds yeah it would take time it would take effort and dedication but I bet you I could do it I have a fucking theater degree I have a degree in technical theater, you guys. I have a, a my my theater degree is in technical production and design. So like, if I have skills to make fake universes, why can't I fucking design real ones? Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm not an architect, but I built so many worlds for actors and dancers and singers to play on. Do you know what I mean? I've designed and built so many universes. Why can't I build a real one? I've had so many fake practice ones. It's time to build a real one now, don't you think? Don't you think that we should all take all of our creative play tools, our little practices, our dress rehearsals, and turn them into one big, great, grand production? All the world is a stage. The people merely players, right? That's a rough paraphrase of Shakespeare. I don't know why we quote him all the time. There were probably ladies in court that were smarter and wittier. I bet you he just copied their homework. Probably just stole all the stuff out of their journals. They'd whisper sweet nothings of romance into his ears and he'd jot it down and that'd be the next scene, the scene for the next day. That sounds about right. I wonder how many pages of the great works of male authors were really just copying their sister's homework or their auntie's, you know, devotional letters to their you know, long lost love. I bet you there's a lot. I bet you there's a lot of stories like that. You know, not trying to take credit for what the guys did, but just explaining and expressing how women's voices are silenced and masked and how it's so hard to find their perspective in our history. That's why I get so frustrated with reading histories is because they're all from the male lens, the male gaze. They're from male perspectives. And I just, you know, while I resonate with masculine energy, I want to hear what, what else happened. You know what I mean? The most domestically focused and domestically detailed book that Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote featured a boy main character. And I, and I don't think that's by accident. I think that she really wanted to explore the beauties of life on a farm. I think that that author, Laura Ingalls Wilder, wanted to just dig in to the slow rhythms of a nice, gentle, easy domesticity because that was a family that was stable. It had money. It had intergenerational wealth. Okay? It was in the primary culture of the community, community leader even. Okay? And it wasn't overly wealthy, so they were sort of like Regular, standard, American dream, middle-class, farm life, idyllic, utopian vision. And I think that she wanted to put that out there. And I think she knew that if she wrote that story with those familiar girl characters that everybody knew already, that the publisher would lose interest, that they wouldn't want to feature a story with so little, quote, happening. Because the plot points in that story are all very 
minimal compared to what Laura and her family went through. I mean, they were displaced by choice sometimes, sometimes by not by choice. They had violence in their family. They had illness and loss in their families. They had financial ruin in their family. They had reliance on charity in their family. Like all of this stuff, this drama that's so compelling to read through, right? But doesn't really leave much space or breath on the page for that lovely, beautiful discussion of life, of what it is to sit by a fire and fill an entire milk glass with popcorn and and watch as it doesn't overflow, not even one drop, right? Why do I have that scene in my head? Because she told it about a little boy doing that behavior. If she'd written that scene with Laura or Mary, maybe when Mary was blind, sure, she could have written it as a compelling, poignant anecdote to see like everybody watching Mary to make sure she didn't spill the milk by stuffing too much popcorn in it or something. But that's not how she wrote it. She wrote it from the little boy's perspective. And so much of the literature that I read and was exposed to growing up was written from the little boy's perspective, from the man's perspective, from the youth trying to overthrow his, you know, binds around him you know that that's the literature and that's the perspective that we were given that we had accessible to us and so when I go looking and listening trying to find the stories of you know the sister stories the mother auntie cousin stories you know the the governess like I loved Jane Eyre Jane Eyre was one of my favorite books Growing up of that period, you know, of that style, that sort of like romance, uh, straight fiction, drama, you know, I hated, I mean, that's not a good word, but like, I really did not enjoy, um, freaking, uh, you know, Pride and Prejudice, uh, what's, what's that name? Uh, Austin, Jane Austen. No, I did not like Jane Austen whatsoever. I liked Charlotte Bronte. I liked I liked the story of Jane. You know, independent, smart survivor who found a great love later in life. That was the life that I kind of envisioned maybe working out for me at some point, you know. Still got time. Still got time to find Mr. Rochester. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I, I always I kind of identified with the crazy wife locked up in the tower. <laughs> uh, the one that he had to hide away from all of the creditors. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kind of always really uh, resonated with her. Anywho, I don't even know what I'm saying. I don't know why I started recording this or what kind of a point I'm trying to make. But I do know that uh, the fact that I'm speaking my truth into the available media that's around me now matters. Just because I was assigned female at birth, the fact that I'm speaking my truth of this experience of this now to dwell in the feminine to you know steward the feminine 
the fact that I'm using my voice now to document my experiences, it matters. That's why I do it because I don't want any of the feminine persuasion or those curious about it in the future to look back at this time and say, but what did the women think? All I hear are these dude bros, you know, barking on the internet with like 86 million podcasts. Cause you know, they started it first. This wasn't like some behavior that I don't think I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was dudes that just decided it would be cool to sit around and record themselves talking for no fucking reason. making a reason we're making reason out of this you guys we're giving reason yeah I really like being able to talk on here I like being able to listen to what everyone else is talking about I don't agree with much I'll say much many much things that many much people on open lines radio you know, espouse, believe, you know, support, affirm. I don't disagree with them either. That's the whole point. I have found a way to avoid disagreement because I'm focusing on the agreement. I'm talking with them and they're talking with me and we're not focusing on our points of disagreement. We're just affirming our truth over and over and over again. And in the affirmations of that truth, the disagreement fades away. Like, hi, can we talk about the fact that Angie really likes Trump a lot? Can we talk about that? Is that allowed? I super don't. Like, at all. Not remotely. Zero fondness for that human on a personal level. Mm Mm-hmm. However, I have accepted that I adore Angie as a person and her relationship with anyone else in this universe is not my fucking business. That's called relationship anarchy. It's one of the principles of my personal relational ethos. It means I don't automatically uh, put one relationship over another and I don't automatically or presumptively um, make any decisions about one relationship based off of the interactions of another relationship. In other words, each relationship is its own thing in and of itself. And to the greatest extent possible, I try not to allow my relationship with anyone else to intervene with my relationship with that person. So in other words, if I'm great friends with you and I can't stand your partner, we can still be cool. I will find a way to work around it. Okay. On an energetic level, what that means is I can't align myself with anyone anyone else's beliefs too closely. That's attachment. And as Ryan of 18 Realms said on his recent podcast talking about the eight noble truths, he said that the root of suffering is attachment. Well, he was quoting Buddha, but you know what I'm saying. I was reminded of the suffering of attachment. And so me feeling one way or another about the personal beliefs of another person is not really healing to me. I can just speak my truth over and over again. I can just affirm what I've experienced and witnessed. And I can affirm how people are actively wounded by that person being in office and saying the things that they do and them doing or saying good things doesn't necessarily negate or erase the terrible things that they've said and done. So 
I'm not going to try to judge that person for the work they're doing or the person they're being. I just don't want to be involved with them. So that's fine. I choose not to be. But am I going to then take my feelings about the behavior of that person and ascribe it and assign it to another person? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a slippery slope, right? I feel like there's a whole lot of blaming and finger pointing going on when really we should just be, you know, kind of maybe analyzing is good. Analyzing is good, but blaming is not usually productive because finding out why something happened in order to, you know, shift it or change it or move it, sure, that I can see. But just so that you can apply some sort of punitive pressure, no, I'm not about punishment anymore. I'm more about forgiveness and absolution. And like all I see with that person is just a bunch of fear and flailing. So I mostly pity them because I feel they're flailing a lot and in fear a lot. And I don't like to feel pity towards anyone or anything. So then I just try to come back to that space of compassion, of acknowledging with full, full facts, full force of facts. Because look, you think, look, okay, guys, look, I was raised in the church. You think that, that uh, Trump is a good or a bad guy based off of his actions? What do you think we think about Judas, the guy who sold out Jesus to the Romans, the guy who ensured his capture, ensured his murder? How do you think we feel about Judas as a general principle? How do we feel about that guy? Fucking hate that guy, right? Isn't he like the enemy? Isn't he worse? Isn't he kind of worse than Pontius Pilate? Because he was his bro. He was his friend. He was his pal. He was his homie. And he sold him out. He did him like that. Judas fucking did him like that. And you know what I say? But it was prophecy. It was written in Isaiah. If Judas didn't do it, someone would have had to have. Like my logic didn't allow me to punish Judas in my mind. I never did it out loud. I always silently forgave him and said, I'm sorry they treat you so badly, dude. I knew it had to be somebody. Thanks for taking one for the team in order to play out the grand plan of prophecy of, you know, God. Nobody likes to talk about it that way. They don't want to talk about somebody being conscripted to do the will of the divine plan. They don't, nobody, nobody wants to talk about, oh, I had orders from above, right? So what do we do? Baser instincts, right? Oh, the devil made me do it. It was my cells. It was the sum total of my biology and my environment deciding for, for me. It was the way it was because it could be no other way because this is the world we live in period, the end. That's why we forgive Judas. Because if he hadn't done it, he hadn't done it. But he did do it. And so we're here. And that's why we forgive him. Because if he hadn't done it, we might not be here. We might not even be talking about Jesus if he hadn't sold, sold him for those 30 pieces of silver. Okay? So, I don't know if that makes sense. But basically, that's how I feel about Trump. I feel like Trump like Judas. I feel like Trump like he's here doing something. I don't know what he's up to. It's fucking bullshit. I can't stand it. There's going to be a lot of crying and blood and tears before it's all over. There already has been. I hope there's not any more, but we'll see. The bottom line is that's basically how I feel about him. 
is he's like Judas, put into a place to do a thing. He took the duty, you know, according to what he thought was the best decision from what he could see. And, you know, desecration ensued. Hey, Ma. Hi, dude. <laughs> strong chin. Your strong chin. My kid came out to say hi to me. I have a feeling that he wants some uh, sustenance. What you doing, Magoo? Wow. It's too early for lunch. Are you bored? I want to tickle you. You want to tickle me? I want to my head. You want to tickle my head? Because I, I don't have a hat on? You want to? <laughs> oh, that's kind of bonky. Be gentle. Huh. Yeah. No, I don't want the ears. Oh, I won't. You don't want the ears. I don't want the ears right now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> silly goose. You're a silly goose. So anyways, I started forgiving Judas before anybody told me to. And I never told anybody about how much I forgave him. I just kept, you know, saying like, wasn't his fault. He was destined. Somebody had to. If he didn't, we wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Like, they don't like to hear that about the traitor, the rat, you know, the one that like sold Christ out. And I just go, then you should really be mad at God, you guys, because it was his plan and he wrote it into the stars before Christ even drew his first breath. So, if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at God. But leave Judas the fuck alone, because he's a tiny bit player in this whole story. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't know what I'm saying. But the whole point of this thing is that nobody needs to know what I'm saying. We're all just saying what our truth is, and logging it, and archiving it. And it's a conversation that's becoming a thing beyond us, and... I don't know what it means, but it feels significant and necessary and good. And for that reason, I keep pushing record. I keep opening up my phone to the voice memo app and pushing that little round red dot. Blink! And it just takes me into a space where there are ideas. It carries me into the noosphere, into the collective consciousness, whence all ideas sprang. I'm doing leftward spirals, left and right, guys. I'm doing bell ceremonies and smudges and clearings. I'm doing lilichi, which means to blow medicine onto someone's back. we're all done with tickles right now I really like what we're doing here I'm feeling very motivated captivated activated embodied empowered engaged and I think that that's what it means to be in community because you feel the sturdiness of the people around you you feel the steadiness of you know people with their hand on your back you know what I mean just knowing like, yeah, we got you. We're going to hold this line with you. That's, I think, uh, I think that's what we're feeling. And now I'm uh, 
gonna go take care of my kid because he's <laughs> I think he's one <laughs> Saturday fun time now oh, beautiful eyes he's done with ignoring and my strong yes, chin beautiful eyes and your strong chin and my strong chin yes <laughs> do you know he's gonna be like 14 in a minute time is weird <laughs> Don't believe doctors who say that you might die. Because they're fucking liars every time. Okay? They can pronounce death after it's happened. They're qualified to do that, barely. But they're not qualified to tell the future and predict your destiny. Because ain't nobody was telling me I'd be here. 14 years (laughs) later to wrestle with my kid on the... (laughs) Freaking floor! <laughs> 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 I'm knocking you down. No, you are already down. I knocked you down. No, you are already no, down. I did, I did knock you down. No, I'm already down. <laughs> With your chin. <laughs> With your strong chin. <laughs> I think Truman's trying to invent a new sport called <laughs> chin wrestling. Security. He security. just comes up to you and like security. Pokes chin security. At you. Security. Security. <laughs> You're silly. Security. Security. Look. Life is a miracle. People die. Love your friends and neighbors. Uh, and count me among them because I am. Love you dearly. I will talk to you all later. I say which means hello. I will see you. For we Chickasaw have no word for goodbye. And I will say Chihololi, which means I love you like you love me. Chihololi, 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 Chihololi. Later, Gator.